Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Father, I pray that you will help us to understand the message tonight, dear Lord, you've guided me to, to talk about. Father, it has to do with being obedient to you. Dear Lord, we pray that the people will understand the depth of this meeting because it has to do with the way that we must be in this time that we are going through. And if you're hearing noise in the background, please forgive it. It's just the devil's working hard to block this message as he did last night with the noise and the audio. So uh, let's just try to understand it if we can. The um, message I'd like to talk about tonight is Leviticus 10. I'd like to start there, and then I'd like to talk about what the Lord said to the disciples. This message has to do with, in Leviticus 10, has to do with um, when... The two sons of Moses were struck dead by the Lord for offering um, incense on it that was not requested of the Lord, nor kept in the instruction. And I understand all this was happening on the first day when they were um, uh, Moses had turned over the operations of the tabernacle to Aaron, who was supposed to f- fulfill this work as appointed by God. So what we see is that the sons of Aaron were already doing wrong. I mean, this is, this is the point. I, I just want to point out what, what the Lord says, because I believe it's all misunderstood to some degree. And i like to explain this. Because as soon as they are killed in Leviticus 10, when Nabad and um, Abu is uh, destroyed, the sons of Aaron, um, because they'd taken a censer and put fire in it, and they put the incense on it, and they offered it a profane fire before the Lord. See, the profane fire and the incense is symbolic of the uh, immediate word of God in the full measure of the Spirit. And they were to do these things exactly because these people were in the process of learning. They had had time. From, and they had teachers, the, the guys who made these vessels and so forth were also given the instruction of what they represented and they were to teach the people, as I pointed out in other messages. That is explained within the scriptures. So we see that they should have known this knowledge. And then Moses gave them very precise instructions about certain things. So Moses here try, does a very wise way of putting it. And many people say insulted Aaron, or he was trying not to insult Aaron. But that's not really what Moses did here. He did it in a very profound and wise way of giving instruction. First, he talked, uh, after he had the two sons of a, uh, the uncle of Aaron to take away the bodies by carrying them out by their garment from the camp. From, this, uh, from before the sanctuary out of the camp because the Lord had struck them dead. And the people, understand, were shocked. And the people were also very nervous at this time because they understood that if they did the offerings right, the glory of the Lord would appear at the tabernacle. So they were wanting to see this. And you have to understand, that, and people have explained, and I believe it's probably true, is that Aaron himself was probably pretty nervous because Aaron had offered the uh, golden calf. He had helped make the golden calf. And uh, he had gotten through that. And so he was trying to, Moses was showing him that he still accepted. He was giving him instruction because God was saying, if you do what I'm telling you to do, exactly as I'm telling you to do, it'll be kept. And here is the high priest 
not doing exactly what he was told to do. Remember that there is a law that we have to teach his words to our family every night, uh, to all those of our household. Deuteronomy 6.4.9, Deuteronomy 11.18-21. Now, Deuteronomy comes after Leviticus, but I believe that the knowledge was there. Moses was recording it at that time. But even so, we know it from the time of Abraham, and we know it from the time of Isaac, because it was uh, shown through Isaac that he always walked with the Lord in the evening time. When he got married, then he would be doing this as a family. And we know that uh, he did this with Jacob and so on. So we know that this is the way of the Lord, that we do, we do that. And they are to teach their sons, and so that the sons will go and be able to even speak his words at the gates of the enemies. Now, my point in this is Moses is instructing those two to take the bodies out, out of the sanctuary. That's the first thing that must be done. Remove the abomination. And then the next thing he says, um, he tells Aaron, um, and said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithmar, the other sons of uh, Moses, he says, do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. Do not but let your brother and the whole house of Israel bewail the burning which the Lord had kindled, has kindled. See, these people were given charge, anointing. They were anointed already to do this work of the tabernacle. And they are to recognize the sin that was done. And so they are not to mourn over this. God did it as an act because he said this is a holy temple and they were to be holy. And if they would tore their temple, I mean tore their clothes or something like this and a garment that was anointed garments that God had given them directions of what to do and what to wear uh, while they were in there. Uh, he said if they did that, took that off, they would be destroyed. So Moses was being very wise in helping them understand what they should do at this very moment of great distress. I mean, their brothers had just died. His two sons had just died. I can't even imagine what uh, the wife of Aaron was thinking. <clears throat> So it says, um, but let your brother and the whole house of Israel be well the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle meeting unless you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. They listened at this time. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle meeting unless you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between the holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel and all the uh, statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Now, why did he do this? You would think, I mean, I've heard people say, well, he was saying that maybe these two boys were intoxicated and they did that. No, he's not saying that at all. That's a wrong understanding of wine and intoxicating drink. You can see the same wine and intoxicating drink from the harlot in uh, Revelation 17. What you're talking about is pride, arrogance, uh, thinking that they were greater than they were and they didn't have to obey the instructions that God had given through those who had given it to them. Remember that God had not only anointed Moses uh, to teach them, but also each artisan that made the different instruments, including the incense uh, uh, utensils and uh, uh, the things that carry the incense and so on. They, uh, what I'm saying is 
uh, the pans that they, the bowls that they carried it in. They had made that, and they were given the instruction to teach the people. So even Aaron's sons and that would have learned exactly what the purpose of it was from the artisan that God gave the knowledge to, to make it and why to make it. The artisan had to know exactly what he was doing, not just in the design of it, but the Lord says he gave it to him to teach the people. So each of these items had a knowledge and a work, and they should have known what to do. But they wanted to do it on their own. They thought they had the appointment, and it's almost like they were uh, not waiting for Aaron and Moses to get out of the way, but they wanted to show the people that, no, no, we're going to be in charge. We're going to be in charge. And God struck them dead for that. That's the wrong attitude. And this is what he's saying. Intoxicating drink and uh, 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 when he's saying drink wine, which is the eternal plan of God, and the intoxicating drink, like drinking wine, eternal plan of God, they would know that they were next in line um, to receive of the instruction, but they forgot the law of knowledge, which is line by line, precept on precept, a little here, a little there, and they have to respect who's there and wait, but they wouldn't do that. So you go, and they had intoxicating drink, which intoxicating drink was the arrogance. This is the heart in the heart. This is, they wanted to do this. This is what they think is right. They aren't listening to God, or they're not listening to the instruction of the kingdom, of building the kingdom. So they got punished by that, and that's what he's talking about to Aaron, and Aaron's warning him. And remember, Aaron had a problem because even uh, Aaron with uh, Miriam, he had raised up with her, and they were wanting to share the responsibility and so forth. And so these issues were in the camp, and they were in the people. Everybody wanted to be the leader. God doesn't work that way. <clears throat> so he appoints, and he puts him in place in the time that he puts him in place. So it goes on. It says, and Moses spoke to Aaron and Eliezer and his sons who were take the grain offering and so forth. I'm not going to read that part. I'm going to skip on down here. That after this, because he, he's talking about the offerings, and there was a problem. He was reminding them that these offerings that were given to them that um, were, were the meat and so on were to be eaten for a purpose. Eaten for a purpose. This is something we miss. I believe that we miss this. You know, they think, well, this is a gift to them, and it's a, a, you know, it's a right of being in a position and so forth. But uh, he explains exactly what this meat does in Leviticus 10, 16 to 18. He says, then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering. And there it was, burned up. And he was angry with Elizer and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron who were left, saying, why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place, since it is most holy? See, this is the teaching, and he isn't scolding Aaron in this, but he is because he's talking to his sons. Why have you not eaten this? Because the father didn't teach them in the household the way they were supposed to, according to the law of God. It's a law of the parents. Psalms 78, 1-8. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. Deuteronomy 11, 18-21. They should know the work that they're given to do, and it's to be taught to them every evening in the household so that they can have one the years of their life extended. Because it wasn't taught, what happens? The opposite occurs, that like the Lord says in Hosea 4, 6, at the time of judgment, if we have not uh, received the knowledge and not kept the way of knowledge, then he will forget our children. 
That's a terrible thing. And that's what happened. Uh, you can see this very clearly. He destroyed Aaron's two children. So he's chastising Aaron in this, reminding him of the law by speaking to the sons. Why have you not done it? It's obvious. They didn't keep the law of God and teaching the way of the words. And so remember also that we have another law. It's very important that everybody forgets. That law is that we are to gather together, stir up love and good works. Love and good works. Love is doing the way of the words of God's uh, command in the way he wants them to bring forth the righteousness. If they would have done this, this is what he's saying, why have you not eaten this offering in a holy place since it is most holy? And then he tells them why. He says, God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation. The guilt of the congregation. Now I want to go uh, in a minute to the the 5,000 and the 4,000, the leftover bread and leftover fish. We need to understand this. See, the guilt of the congregation, to bear it, as a burden. And what it is, is, is to teach us to be humble, to be not arrogant, but to be humble, to care about others, which is what we're supposed to do in Joel 2, 12 to 20 at this time. That's the guilt of the congregation. You're to bear that, to understand these people without the words of God, without the knowledge, without being taught, they're not going to make it into heaven, and it's your responsibility to teach them. They're, they're responsible to teach the knowledge of truth, which is not taught. That's why the Lord chastises the Pharisees in the leaven in Mark 8, because they don't have this. They're not doing it in the way of the words. They have no feeling for the people. They want to manipulate the people to get what they want. The preachers of today manipulate the audiences and so forth to teach really wrong doctrine. They're selling goodly pearls. They're making movies. They're doing all kinds of things, but they're not teaching the words of God. They're not setting themselves apart from the world, not teaching the people the words that will bring forth the food in the time when the separation judgment occurs and they come forth from the earth. They aren't teaching them that. They aren't preparing the people. And therefore, the Lord says he's angry with them in Zechariah 10.3. This is what this is about. They're not bearing the guilt of the congregation. This is the, the law that is being expressed by the Lord in Joel 2, 12 to 20, where they are to gather together and come before him, get off the porches, and plead for the people. Not just the, the congregation. He says, all his people. His people is everybody who will hear the word and turn to him at this time. We are to cause that to occur. And that's what we're not doing as a people. We're not doing that. And we're not preparing the people. So the destruction's coming, and we're to blame. And what did God do to, to Aaron's two sons? He struck them because they didn't have the knowledge, and they went and did that. And whose fault is that bearing back on? It's a tough situation to be in, to make atonement for them before the Lord. And he said, see, as Moses said, see, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. And they, they wouldn't listen. They didn't listen to Moses. He didn't know what he's talking about. He only knew the words and so on. So it goes on. He says, And Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would, have been, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So when Moses heard that, he was content. Now the reason why it sounds like it, he was rebuking Moses, but he isn't. What he's really saying there is he understands the statement that Isaiah says. And when Isaiah is talking about the, the, the seed and so forth, he's saying maybe he would turn. You can't 
um, state, God would save it, would have saved his sons because his sons did profane it and so on. But if he'd eaten it, if he'd eaten that offering and carried that uh, guilt upon him, even his sons, because the father, he would have carried the guilt for his sons, the burden for his sons. And God would have intervened and caused these people to stir up and recognize they're doing something really wrong. But he says, would he have done it? Well, he's saying, would he have done it? Because Aaron is actually saying, I had not taught them before today. So even if they ate it, if I ate this today, would it have been enough to save them? I don't know. And Moses agreed with that concept. That's what he's saying here. They're carrying the guilt, but it's kind of late when he was supposed to be teaching the words every night in the household. That's a requirement of the parents. So we see this at that time, and this is what Moses is saying. Aaron is saying to Moses, and Moses was comforted by that and accepted it. He was content with that statement. He understood what Aaron was saying. I hope that helps clarify that a little bit, because I don't think that's understood anywhere. Um, and you can pray to the Lord about it and see what he tells you on it. Now let's look at Mark 8, a very interesting statement, very similar to this, that the Lord talks about. It's in Matthew 16, 5 to 12, and Mark 8, 13 to 21. He says, and he left them, this is Mark 8, 13, and he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod. Now why is that? If, if they're thinking bread of instruction, okay, which comes out obviously in the next thing, what Jesus is saying is very similar to Aaron. They're, they're like this careless attitude that, that happened to Aaron's two sons. These shepherds are not teaching his words in the, in the temple. Herod is not keeping his words as a kingdom. He's not trying to, it's like the, even the king of Nineveh, when he heard of, of the Lord and the words, he caused the whole nation to fast. Herod wasn't doing that. Herod heard of the words, heard of the ministry of Jesus, heard of the miracles. He wanted to meet him, it says. But he wasn't turning the nation, didn't pay no attention to it. When that things was happening in his kingdom, he should have turned. Now, he was an Edomite. He wasn't even a... Um, he was a usurper to the throne. He wasn't uh, of Israel, and therefore he was ruling unlawfully according to the law of God. But God allowed him to reign at that time because the people were allowing us to reign. And who is the people that were supporting Herod? The Pharisees. Who are the people who are supporting the leadership today? You, you see churches promoting to vote for Trump, vote for these people, vote for that. And explain to you they don't control at all who becomes president. It's appointed. There's a committee of the Crown Trust that appoints who's going to be president. The elections are fraud. It's been uh, told since the 1870s this people like, you know, of course the government and the news is going to block that down. That's fact. And people ignore it. And they will not obey what the Lord is telling them to do, which in this day, he told them from the moment the words of God were open, they were to come out from following these leaders. This is the sin of the Pharisees and the, and the leaders of the nation of today, the Herods of today, which is the governors, the mayors, the city council, the, the church leaders, and uh, which is the Pharisees, and also the, uh, the, the rulers of the world. They're ignoring God's command. And that's what the Lord is warning about. It's the same back here. They're not doing, they're not taking on what the Lord gave instructions for. Now, Jesus paid the price of the sin offering with his blood. But they're not teaching what that blood did. And they, they must teach the words in his house every night. 
every evening in, in their own home. They're to have the words. That law never changed. What, what took the place is the blood sacrifice is now given so that anybody doesn't have to go through a priest or um, a king. In other words, the leadership of a nation has no right to block you from receiving the knowledge of the truth or gathering together to stir up love and good works, which is the commandment of Hebrews 10, 24-31. And there are places that are not allowing them to have Bible studies in their home, not allowing them to teach their children in their home. They're trying to make it a government requirement, and they no longer have any authority to do that. As I've explained, the, the Lord's kingdom began in the winter season, and the right of dominion has been taken away from these people. As of the morning, they have absolutely no authority because the Lord has risen as king and uh, with the beginning of the spring. And so we see now that the Lord is in charge, and they have no right of dominion, and all those who follow them and continue to follow them have the danger of what happened to the sons of um, Aaron, because the Lord tells them in Hosea 4, 6, that he will forget their children because they rejected his knowledge. And that's why he tells you in Matthew 24, woe to those who uh, have children just weaned on milk and who are uh, nursing babies and are pregnant. Weaned on milk means if you aren't teaching them the wisdom of the words of God, no matter what their age is, and they're under your household, you're responsible for those children. And therefore, you're going to have the blood of them upon you. People don't understand this. And the Lord gives us a further instruction. We have the blood of our parents upon us in Malachi 4, if you pay attention to what he's saying. If he, he says if we don't obey to seek after them and try to turn them to the Lord, then he says he's going to come and curse the earth. That's a very serious thing because we are of the earth and our blessing is in the earth and it's brought forth by the, what is in the stars and the, and, and, the, and the heavens of the word. So we must consider these things. Take it to the Lord and let him, let, let him reveal it to you. He'll guide you to the right scriptures. It says here, and we've got to be careful not to impart on the Lord what we want the scriptures to say over what he's saying, because he's coming to confirm the new covenant. Okay, it goes on. It says this, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And this is Strong's um, Greek word, 3421. I want to come back to that. When I broke the five loaves uh, for the 5,000, uh, many, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? The Lord is telling us, and here he says, um, oh, they, uh, I'm sorry, for the 5,000, how many baskets? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? Seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? See, the, the problem of this is, if you look back to what the sin offering which Jesus gave his blood for takes place, and even in this day when he, he was going to give his blood, because once God sends it and it's going to happen, it's considered as done. So we, we should understand that concept. But here we have the same thing. It's a guilt offering for the sins. And the Lord always, when he gives the food for the people, and this is important for us to understand, because as we go forward, as the Lord starts to provide blessings of food to fill the multitudes and multiplies the food, there will be food left over, as it was for the prophets in 
Elijah's day, Elisha's day, when he says they will have some some left over. That leftover bread is holy, and it's there for a purpose. We eat that because that is what turns our heart, turns our heart, so that we have this feeling of responsibility and remembrance. That's why he's saying, how come you do not remember? Because the spirit in that food that they ate is to stir up the love and good works to help these whom the Lord has fed, to keep them going. So as you pray for them and as you think upon them, God will stir up good works for you to do for them. That's in that bread. That's the promise in the extra. That's the work of the extra provision that he provides, whether it's bread, meat, uh, the fish, for example, uh, whatever he gives you, the oil, uh, as he did, and the flour, and, and the lady when Elisha was with her, it stirs up this knowledge of good works and continues to keep them. And you saw that it will also continue. The flour bin will not go like the oil and stuff. It will not go down until the work is completed because it's stirring up that work and that continues during that time because there's a famine of the word coming but there's not going to be harm to the oil and wine. So there will be oil, there will be wine, there will be bread for his people of instruction. And God's going to write the instruction on their heart. That's why he talks about oil and wine. Do not harm my oil and wine. It means also the, the bread that they, they will desire to eat. And they'll eat the humble bread, the barley, because that would be what they most desire, because that is what's going to give the greatest reward for the kingdom. Until they get to the point where they want to be refined to get rid of see, the, the flour, the white, the clean flour, will get rid of the last, the poison of the, of the kingdom of Satan. In other words, all the darkness will be taken out. But we first must come and accomplish the beginning of the nurturing of it, the, the barley process. We will desire that and, and we will grow in humility and humbleness by doing that and after we've done that then God will pour out on us the knowledge of the greater works that we can do for the glory of the God and so forth. So there's a, what I'm trying to point out tonight there's a work into this food and there's a purpose for the leftover the extra and why you can know it's going to be there. You, got, you know that that extra is going to be there because the Lord is going to utilize that so that you can carry the burden for these people. It's not the guilt anymore. It's a, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He will continue to give you the knowledge of the words to speak to those who are weary. That's what he said in Isaiah 50 and 4 because that's part of the new covenant. The new covenant, you don't have to do the sin offering anymore. You have the Lord covered that. Now you have the glory coming which is pouring out the knowledge of the good works that you can do for these people to help them uh, come about that. Now let's look real quickly. The last thing here is um, the, you know, when he talks about the um, sower. I just want to point out something very simple in this, and I think it helps you begin to understand the parables of the Lord very clearly. God always does these in the way of the four spirits. See, Satan can test you up through the third, and you have to overcome him. You, you must always be overcoming him. And then you can be like the counsel of the Lord. When you get the words, then your work is to go out like a little God. You never concern yourself about the world at that point. You're trying to bring forth the glory of the, glory of the Lord. Well, here's what he's talking here. He goes and he's, uh, he says, On the same day Jesus went out, and this is Matthew 13, 1 and 9. 
uh, went out of the house and sat by the sea, and in great multitudes were gathered to him, together to him. And so he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. You see, that's where he's wanting the people to come to. And he's going to be, when he's sitting on top of the sea in a boat, it's symbolic of he's taken over the world and the, and the kings of the world are no longer ruling. He's the one in the boat. The rest of them are gone. That's where we're at right now. He's overcome the world. He is the king. And we have to recognize him. That our job is in Daniel 9.24 to appoint, anoint him as king. Um, we have to do that or we won't be in his kingdom. He says, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. As he sowed, some uh, fell by the wayside. Understand, he's planting the words of God. And then it's likened to the way the first spirit of the Spirit of God is that we desire the light. And uh, he says, so some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, and because they had no depth of birth, they didn't have any wisdom of the words, they didn't seek to get the wisdom, they saw it was nice words, and all oh, these things do things, like, oh, we can pray in the name of the Lord, and miracles will happen. But we don't pray in the real name of the Lord. We don't seek out that name in Revelation 19, 11, and 13, and no one understands. The name is the Word of God. That is the ones that they become like little gods. And then it doesn't fade away. So many of these people do miracles. They, they get prophecies. They do many miracles, and things go along, and then all of a sudden it kind of disappears, and they no longer have that. That's the stony ground. Those are ministers preaching on stony ground because they're selling the messages. They're not seeking the fullness of the message, which is the word of God. And if you don't have the words of God, you don't love him. And pretty soon that message is going to be taken from you because it's going to example exactly what happens in the kingdom of God. And, you know, it's stony ground. So it's going to be taken away. When the sun comes out, the light comes out. And like when they hear the words, when they heard of the words, and then they come out and say, oh, no, that's a message straight from the pits of hell because it doesn't agree with what we know. Well, that's stony ground, and they're going to be burned up, and they're going to be cast away from God. And that's what you're seeing with that. And it says, uh, and it says, but when the sun was up, they were scorched. Reminds you of kind of like Jonah. Uh, he didn't really see the, see the people be saved there. And because of root, they had no root, and they withered away. They didn't understand it the way God looks at it. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now, thorns, consider, these are the, the thorns are, remember, he planted these thorns, and they're powerful. These are the religions that are in the world that are fighting you. The, the Catholicism, the Knights of or, uh, Order of the Garter, these are all, uh, those are all religious orders. You can call them what you want, but they're religious orders. And they're strong. Masons, it's a religious order. People say, oh, I can be a Christian be a Mason. No, you can't. It, it is a system controlled by the devil. And if you don't look at the, uh, the base, I mean, look at the completion of that uh, pyramid and see that the top is that you have to by that time when you get to the top you have to serve the devil even their window frame you know from chaos comes light no god builds on light and, and gets bigger and bigger he doesn't build on chaos he builds you on solid foundation of words so uh, but that's a masonic order it said but the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away isn't that interesting they withered away it, it um I'm still back on the second one, the, word, the wisdom. See, their words are going to cause you to receive the plagues. Now, those that have, the, like the preachers and all them, not wanting to teach you about the seven spirits of God or the four spirits of God or the words of God, and they have the wrong interpretation of the end times. They don't see the knowledge of the seven-year reign of Christ. They don't see any of these things. And they're going to wither away because God has warned them. When the words are open, you must hear him. 
he said that when at that time of the end you will speak, and he speaks, always speaks in the words of knowledge of truth, the words of God, if they cannot discern his voice, they will not be set apart. They will not receive the, the right to enter the kingdom of God, and their, their lamp will be put out, and they'll be, like we talked last night about the light and the cage and the sea. They're going to they're gonna be cast out. So this is what's happening with them. And what I told you is the, their cup will be withered. Their, their body is going to have the, the plagues that's going to come upon them. Not only destruction from the inside with all the toxins and all the sins of the world that's created, all this toxicity and, and destruction of our immune system and all that, but also their body is going to be withered because God's going to give them the boils and he's going to give them a little plague of tsarit. And some are going to have their eyes dissolved. Some are going to be blind in the right eye, some in the right arm, some both eyes, some both arms, so on. Okay, uh, it says, Then some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And this is the, the, like Catholicism, for example, is doing this right now. It's raising up, and it's choking the church by demanding that they... Um, do several things. One is they must teach homosexuality, must get along with that, must allow them in their churches. This is sin. These are thorns. These are the devil's works being forced upon them and chokes, trying to choke out Christianity. They're bombing churches. They're creating wars. They're killing Christians all over the world. All these things. This is the thorns. This is the, the work. And it's interesting. Don't you see the order of the thistle? <laughs> the order of the thorn over there in England? And the order of the garter, uh, which, you know, they're they're basically... Putting this, they put the garter on their right leg and or left leg, and I guess I, I can't remember, but it's one of their legs, and they're basically they're, it's guiding their walk, and they celebrate the order of the dragon. It's a terrible thing, but these are the things that choke out Christianity, and these people control the money, and they control the tax system, they control everything, so they're choking out Christianity. That's their goal. They're in a religious war, as they declared it to me in 1997. But others fell on good ground. And yielded the crops, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The good ground is the fourth one, the counsel of the Lord. The devil cannot, when you get when you get set apart from the world, gather words of wisdom, get understanding of how to do good works in the plan of God to, to save all those who will hear. Then you have the counsel of the Lord, and the counsel of the Lord will protect you from all these things. The devil cannot go after the counsel of the Lord, or he will be judged. So he stays away from that counsel. And that's why it's good ground. Good ground is God's ground. Jesus will tell you how, what to do and when to do it. That's why he says, I will cause you to know my words if you will turn to him in Proverbs 1, 23. <clears throat> and then you won't have this failure. You won't, be, um, you won't be in trouble when the time of trouble comes, like the shepherds are in, they're in stony ground. When the troubles come, they have no foundation of the words of God. They have no right to call on the words of God, as it says in John 14, 15, 17, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 4, and they will be cast out because they were lawless. And just like it says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. That's important for us to understand. And we have to hear this. We don't want to hear it. We want to hear our own will. But that's the way the, the world is. We've got to get away from that. Now remember what Aaron said earlier, and I, you see it here. Um, let me... Let me get down here to where he says it. It's where, um, I thought I saw it here. It's talking about the, um, uh, where, um, Matthew 13, 10. Let me see, maybe I passed it up. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's talking about um, what he says here about Isaiah. He says in Matthew 13, 14, it says, uh, 
me go ahead. And, let me read this, the whole thing. Matthew 13, 10 to 17 says, And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Parables is speaking to them in the pure language. They just didn't understand what a parable was. He's speaking to them in the way of the pure words, but they can't discern the words is why they can't understand his speech, is what he says in John 8, 43 to 47. So why you can't understand his parables, because you're not interpreting them in the way of his pure language, his words of God, that gives understanding of the scriptures, Luke 24, 44 to 45. So he says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given, for whoever has, to him more, um, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Remember he said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you don't hear the words of God, your faith is not going to grow. And it's stony ground. When the troubles come, you'll be crying out, waiting on the Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me, your work is iniquity. You'll be banging on the door, Lord, Lord, let me in, let me in. And he'll say, no, your work is of lawlessness. See, his truth is law. Psalms 119, 142, 160, 105, and 130. Read that. It's very interesting. Uh, John seventeen seventeen tells you you must be set apart by his words at this time. Jesus required that of the Father because he knows that's the will of God. That's what's going to glorify the kingdom of God and bring all things to completion. It says, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. They will not go on. Like, why, why does the blood, when the blood, they gave the blood, then why did the temple veil turn so that we can enter the temple? Why do we enter the temple in heaven? What is, what is it we're trying to seek? What are we trying to get? Proverbs one twenty three. turn to me, I'll pour out my spirit upon you and cause you to know my words. It's his words, not prophecy, the words. And it says, uh, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes have been, they have closed and that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are you, uh, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now, let me caution you on understanding this, because you see the same statement in Isaiah 21, 1-12, and you see it in Revelation 18, 1-4. He says, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen. These disciples were going to get the word. He was speaking to them and doing away the words, but they did not grasp it until they came back from the, from the Father, breathed the Holy Spirit upon them, the Spirit of truth, so that it was able to cause them to know his words when he spoke them to them. And that's what set the stage, because he knew they were going to be kept until then, because he was doing the way of the words to keep them till then, so he could speak this with authority. And he said he was going to keep all but one, which was Judas Iscariot. He was not of the of the one of, of the of the twelve that was going to stay, and Paul would come, and they picked another, but the Lord brought Paul forward. Now, I hope that has been helpful tonight to understand a little bit about this and a little bit more about the words, but also understand the importance of why you ask for and receive bread left over. You want that extra bread to be left over and don't lose a drop of it. As Jesus told the disciples when they're picking up, he said, don't waste any of it, don't lose any of it. Because that bread is anointed, that fish, whatever he multiplies, the oil, whatever, is anointed to help bring forth the knowledge, to help the people that, you, that the Lord has just blessed with the food. 
That's what that purpose is. I thank you for your time, and I pray this has been helpful. In Jesus' name, amen.